0: Welcome back, everyone, to Sweet 1111. I'm your host, Casey Barrett, and today we have someone really special here to talk with us today, author Tim Bella, who recently released his newest novel, Barkley, which really ties in that Auburn connection and the Auburn community. Tim, thank you so much for being here today. So first, kind of tell a little bit how you started your career after college and grad school.
1: Yeah, good question. So I uh, start in journalism. I came in honestly just too fat and too happy in other words (laughs) i did a lot of really cool stuff at college over at tcu in texas and i was kind of pretty good there and i just thought it was going to be easy for that to just kind of transfer over into the uh, the real world and when i started working part-time at espn um i found that that was not the case at all they just didn't care and it took me a long time to just kind of adjust and understand that you've got to really put in the work and keep getting better. And I just wasn't pitching any ideas. I wasn't thinking about uh, stories. I I just wasn't getting better. So I would say start of my career was really uh, rocky, which led me into graduate school. Did that for about a year. Then I went back. Into work. And again, I just wasn't finding a lot of fulfilling work because I wanted to write these long form feature stories, the kind of stuff that I read growing up um, in places like Sports Illustrated, Esquire, or GQ. So, like, I just wanted that, but I I knew I had to keep working at it. So, I did start just kind of pitch ideas and think about ways into stories and why I, I was the best person to actually do that. And along the way, I, I found myself at a couple startups, one being Al Jazeera America, the other one being a place called Vacative. And uh, my tip would be to anyone who is uh, who is looking at a journalism startup or a startup in general is to just be careful uh, because uh, while I got really good experience at Al Jazeera America, uh, the other place too, I would say that When both companies folded within about a 16-month stretch, I was really kind of questioning myself (laughs) and questioning if I could actually stay in journalism and if journalism actually loved me back. So, um, luckily, I got a break over at the Washington Post, getting hired there in 2018. It's by far the best place I've ever worked at, Um, and there's been just no shortage of news during that time, too, so um it's been great it's been a long road so far to, it's been to know uh 14 years now since i graduated from college and took me really a decade to get stable honestly so uh, my advice for anyone who wants to either be in this field or just in any field in general is it will sometimes take time and you have to be really patient really want it badly enough because um there will be times where you're just like is anything going to break my way <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah definitely and kind of going along with you getting into working with the washington post what drew you into working with um features especially in sports and news
1: yeah so on the uh, sports side it's something that that's always been a part of me it's always been a big sports fan growing up um just going to the games actually playing basketball Football, baseball growing up it was always in in my blood. I will say, as I got older, that uh, I, especially in journalism, I'm going to just kind of stay away from uh, sports in general, just because my interests were evolving and ch- just kind of seeing what was happening on a national scale. And when it came to politics and culture, uh, I- I've hope there's been someone who just wanted a little bit of. Everything in his life, I uh, I find myself kind of bored if I'm on a beat for too long. To be honest with you, so um, in my case, I just always kind of been a generalist. I just want to be an expert in a bunch of things. Uh, so that's kind of always interested me. And yeah, at the post, uh, no matter what comes up there, whether it be a breaking story on a mass shooting or the fallout from the insurrection or the the election or having put the uh, Supreme Court and uh, abortion rights. It just, I wanted to be there for all that. And thankfully I have, and I've been able to jump on and work on some of the biggest stories in our time, um, including COVID obviously too. So um, it, it's been an exciting time. It's also been an exhausting time. And <laughs> uh, I would just say to anyone, I uh, really have, Interests outside don't work too because it's healthy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So why Charles Barkley, you know, or why taking a story kind of from Auburn, you know, going to TCU, being in Texas? What kind of drew you into um, his story?
1: Yeah. So I've always been a big Charles Barkley fan. Uh, Just growing up in Houston, I was a short, fat kid who just loved playing basketball and I was terrible at it. However, The one thing I could do was rebound, and I earned that in part because I would see this undersized, chubby power forward for the Philadelphia 76ers and Phoenix Suns do the exact same thing and just dominate dudes every night. And I'm like, what the hell is Charles Barkley doing? So, like, (laughs) I would see him just do that, and I'd be like, huh, so, of course, I... I followed him and just used my butt to just kind of get all of these rebounds, and it worked out pretty well. But um, so it did kind of start off as being a fan, but as someone who got old and saw (laughs) uh, what he was saying and doing on and off the court, I just found it super striking how he's kind of this one of one in terms of just being the only person who's going to say. Or do a lot of the things that some of the biggest athletes of our time had told was kind of shy away from. I mean, he talked about race and politics and, and just everything in between, police brutality. Like he would go there, touch on these issues, these hot button topics that made it be okay for athletes to actually talk about things outside of sports. And there's been many, many. Historical examples of this, obviously, from Ahmed Ali to Bill Russell to Jim Brown, and so on, and so on. But for a certain generation, that guy was Charles Barkley, and uh, he still is that guy today. So, in my eyes, he just deserved a big biography right now.
0: And so, kind of going off of that as well, what did you want your readers to mainly take away from reading your new book?
1: Uh, You know, we kind of have the short-term memory now just as a culture in terms of what someone did and how they did it. And my hope is to just kind of paint this big, really comprehensive picture of how Charles Wade Barkley, uh, who was raised by a single mother and his grandmother and leads Alabama, the projects... uh, Went from this undersized fat kid who was terrible in school to being this this star at Auburn, the superstar in the NBA, this pop culture icon, and someone who has redefined uh, sports broadcasting for the last two-plus decades. Um, So for me, it was really all about a full picture about how someone who started off as being shy and someone who was actually bullied in school and had a lot of anger issues with his own father who left him when he was 13 months old. How that kid came with the guy every Thursday joking around with Ernie, Kenny and Shaq about everything from LeBron James's hairline to uh, the, the women of San Antonio to eating churros to a bad speller. I mean, it's just a wide gamut. And a lot of it is controversial. A lot of it, it can be inflammatory, but that's part of a package of Charles Barclay. So I tell you, really took to just kind of captured his full life that way.
0: Yeah. And how long did this writing process take for you?
1: Yeah. So I interviewed the first person in May, of 2019 and uh, i turned in a first draft february of 2021 so in all it, it took a little bit over a year and a half which is considered fast but um i just felt like i, I did get it done because it was kind of of this moment and i will say if this uh it was super interesting to just kind of write and pour out a book during uh a pandemic too. Uh it was it was definitely challenging in some ways. Like it cut out a lot of my travel to places like Phoenix and Houston, but uh it also made a lot of people available because everyone was all of a sudden stuck at home. Um and I could talk to people like Coach K from Duke uh in March which <laughs> is insane to me. Like, That's a busy like, time have, for him. You have free time in the month of March? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> fine. Cool, yeah, let's talk. But yeah, um, so it really was enjoyable for everything now. I mean, from the time I interviewed someone to the time it came out, it was a three and a half year process, so.
0: And yeah. kind of going back to where you talked about the pandemic, um, how... Deeply did that affect gaining the information and in what ways specifically were you able to kind of reach out to people maybe over the phone rather than in person?
1: Yeah, I feel like uh, people just wanted to talk more because they all of a sudden had this free time and it was a distraction in some ways from what was going on on a daily basis at that point in time, especially in 2020, the real heart of this pandemic, people just want to talk and think about something else entirely. So I found that we're open to doing it and really had a good time doing it. Um, Yeah, it it did cut out some of my travel, but I was still able to get to Leeds, Auburn, Philadelphia, New York, and uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame too. So there was a little bit of traveling done before and after and started to improve, but yeah, it, it was mostly a book that was done over phone, over Zoom, um, and just kind of navigating what made the most sense uh, at a time when he didn't have a ton of info and when a lot of people were super scared about what was actually going on.
0: Yeah. So other than the research aspect of it, what was the most challenging part of telling the
1: story? And now he's lived such a big life and there are so many any details that i really wanted to, to to include in there and i'll be honest a lot of the stuff had to get cut out because he's lived such a big life uh not every detail crammed in even if i thought it, it was either important or funny um and that's part of the process with someone like charles Barkley, who's been this public figure for over four decades now since this time at auburn so uh that was probably the most challenge, and just also super paranoid too. So I hired like three fact checkers to make sure that everything was totally right too. Mm-hmm. Because um uh, uh, Charles sometimes will tell a story one way, and then a couple years later he will change a couple of details. He's not different from like an uncle or a father who just kind of exaggerates or uh, changes facts and stories to make it sound better, but. Uh, For for someone who uh, regularly gives interviews and has for the last 40 years, um, it's a challenge to picture every detail right from uh, some of those stories because uh, his memory comes and goes, I'll say that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then on the flip side, what did you find was the most rewarding part?
1: Oh, I think... and. This kind of goes with anything in general in this business. But just having the opportunity, the village for people to just kind of invite the end to their lives and share stories about them or, in this case, Charles Barkley. For me, just getting to talk to um, some of his childhood friends, his coaches, his teammates from way back in Leeds and Auburn. Some of that stuff really stuck out to me and just honestly get a chance to talk to people I never thought I would get a chance to actually talk to from uh, Shaq and Adam Sandler and former Vice President Dan Quayle. Like, It's a wide range of people that I was able to interview and it's all because of Charles because he's touched so many people in his life that I wanted to to be as comprehensive as possible and making sure that that if you have had experience with Charles Barclay I want to hear about it. so uh, that was probably the coolest part of, of the whole thing just talking to um, anyone and everyone for it
0: yeah definitely and I think putting this book out really gives the opportunity to do that and I know it'll definitely touch a lot of people here in Auburn since it's that big connection. Um. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me today. I hope the best of luck for your book.
1: Thank you so much. And, and yeah, if anyone is in town on Friday the 11th, I will be at Auburn Oil Co. Booksellers at 5.30 p.m. I will love to actually see you out there. we will be talking to Charles Barkley.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Casey. Take care.
0: And that's going to wrap it up for today. Thank you so much for listening and definitely go ahead and check out that newest novel, Barkley, and also make sure to check out our Instagram and Twitter for more Auburn updates at The Plainsman and we will see you next week.